Today's scripture reading is uh, from the book of Hebrews, chapters 11, verses 29 through chapter 12, 2. You find that on page 226 in your pew Bibles. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea, as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced years of flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered the deserts and mountains and the, ca- and the caves and the holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set forth him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. Our gospel reading is from the book of Luke, verses 1249 through 56. And Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. There will be They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, 
How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Here ends the reading. I'm sure when any uh, group of professionals that share the same job get together, they have the same kinds of things that they always talk about at those get-togethers. And this is true of uh, clergy as well. So there I was at the la uh, this past Thursday afternoon meeting with the clergy fellowship. Now this is a group of people, um, pastors and staff people from churches and other worshiping communities in this area, Brexville, Broadview Heights, Independence. We meet about once a month for lunch. And there we were talking about how to get people to come to church. <laughs> One of the priests who was there said, okay, there's three reasons that people come to church, he said. One is out of fear. That is, if I don't go to church, God will get me some way. The second is for goodies. That is, we come to church because we want to get something out of it, some kind of blessing or some kind of reward, or at least even to feel virtuous. And the third reason is as a response to the goodness of God. Now, that's pretty much an oversimplification. And realistically, probably all of us have a mixture of all kinds of stuff and reasons of why we come to church. But what does that mean for us as a church or for those of us who are, are clergy and staff when we're, when we're wondering about encouraging people to come to church? Because let's be honest, there's a couple of reasons why we need to think about that. One is obviously we do have the Great Commission from Christ. We are meant to. It's just kind of, it's, it's part of our wiring as Christians that we're meant to share the story and we want to bring other people in. But practically speaking, you know that right now there's a lot of concern for mainline denominations and, and uh, traditional churches who are experiencing a loss of membership and interest in the churches. And we should be worried about that. We love, these we love not only God and Jesus, but we love our institutions. We love these places. This is where our children are baptized and where we're married and where we've, we've had funerals for people. I mean, we love this place. So we talk about these things. How do we get people to come to church? And if we, if we go to those three reasons, you know, where, what do we have to work with there? Fear? Should we scare people into coming to church? Well, number one, that's not a very good long-term solution. And number two, it's bad theology. Uh, do we wait for people to have something happen to them so that they realize that God is active in their life so, and hope that they maybe eventually find their way through our doors? Or do we go for, you know, I think what we end up doing is we go for the middle, that middle group that we're all looking, we're hungry, and it's, thank goodness we are, we're hungry to learn, to experience worship together, to be built up together, to be encouraged the problem with kind of focusing on this reason for coming to church is we start to think of church as a product. This is our product that we have to offer. And then if our product isn't good enough, then people leave. Isn't this a long distance from what was going on in the church at the time the letter to the Hebrews was written and the Gospel of Luke was written? I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just a very different world, a really different world. The letter to the Hebrews was written to the church or a group of Hebrew Christians who were undergoing tremendous difficulties in being Christians. They were being persecuted, rejected, 
Their families were torn apart. They'd had to give up their livelihood. They had to give up everything they knew. And, and one of the most painful things they'd had to give up was their faith traditions. They'd been, it was like having your arm cut off. They'd lost you know, being able to claim. They felt like they'd lost being able to claim Abraham and their faith ancestors and their traditions. They thought, if I become a Christian, I have to lose all that. And the, book of, the letter to the Hebrews was written to say, no, this is all part of our own tradition. And all of the, you know, Jesus is the great high priest. And these are your faith ancestors, and they're still with you. They have been going all this time, working up to this moment. And we are continuing the tradition of faith in what we are doing. And, in, and it's kind of like you're running a race. And you know what? It's like you're running a race, and all those people through all the ages are standing alongside the race course. And they're cheering you on. And they're encouraging you. You're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So it was an encouragement. It was an encouragement while recognizing at the same time that it's not been easy. It's never been easy. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy. And in some senses, that's what Jesus is also saying to his listeners in the Gospel of Luke. You know, he says, did you think I came to bring peace? No, I came to bring some really hard decisions and divisions and griefs. What I, am coming, what I have come to bring is going to split families in two. They're going to have to decide whether or not to follow me or to stay with their families. It is going to be painful. It is going to be awful in, in more of the bad sense, not like Diane said it. But it is going to be extremely difficult to make this choice to follow. And But it is... This is what is set before us. Did you think it was going to be easy? Did I say it was going to be easy? And Jesus is saying, it is not going to be. There will be a cost. Now you get to these two scriptures, and I, and I don't read them, and I didn't kind of compare it with our church nowadays to make you feel guilty. I don't want us to, to read this passage from Hebrews and from the Gospel of Luke and say, well, gee whiz, we've got it easy. I guess, you know, we should hang our heads in shame. It's not meant to make you feel bad that you're not being persecuted and you're not having to make some of the kinds of decisions that those people were. This is still meant to be encouragement for us today. And the other thing I'm not going to do is say, yeah, well, we've got our tough things too, you know, and, and to kind of pretend like we're being persecuted in the same way. We're not. But we, there, is, there are costs to becoming a disciple, changes that sometimes need to be made, and we should consider them and think about them. We have, just as those people had in, the, in Hebrews, a race that is set before us. And these are our faith ancestors as well. And they're encouraging us as well. They're not saying, gee, your race isn't very hard, or you're not running fast enough. They're there just to say, keep continuing. We are your ancestors. Keep going. Whatever the race that is set before you, keep going. We are the witnesses. We have been there as well. We have had to make decisions and choices in our lives. And it's still not easy. No, we don't face the same persecutions, but we face decisions. Do I stay in bed on a rainy Sunday morning, which would be very tempting, or do I come to church? You know, do I, do I plan for that school activity, or do I do the church activity? If my family decides they don't want to come to church, do I not come to church? Do I make them come to church? There are lots of choices we have. You are busy people. 
And I'm asking you to do more. Most churches will ask you to do more. Put more in your life. Put God more in your life. Spend more time with God. Make decisions. Don't go the hard way. And the other hard thing we have is, is hearts that see everything going on in the world. You know, you hear that story of the children in Russia, and you hear how, how Lynn and Diane are already yearning for those children. It would be a lot easier to just live our own lives and not have anything to do with mission trips or anybody else in the world, not have to think about them and pray for them and, and grieve over them and be compassionate about them. But we, we, that's the race that is set before us. That's our responsibility. Those are our choices. Now, this is a pretty hard product to sell. <laughs> so if we're going for the, we're going to package up Christianity as a product, a product that makes you feel good, forget it. I'm not gonna, that's not the product we have to offer. What we have is a time to come together and worship God and learn more about what God has done for us throughout the ages and what God is calling us to do in the future. And we need to face the decisions. You need to ask yourself, and I leave you with this question. What changes would I need to make in my life to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Be encouraged. <laughs>